0: Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. All right, let's just get in the mood, get in the spirit. Let's get someplace comfy. Let's unbutton our pants. I mean, as if anyone's wearing pants with buttons at this point. I mean, my God, I wasn't doing that before the quarantine. I'm certainly not doing it now. So let's just get in our best, comfiest leggings, roll our shoulders back, relax our jaw, kind of shake our arms out. Think about relaxing the inside of our ears, taking our tongue from the roof of our mouth and just relaxing our whole head and neck area. And this week, we're going to have a different mantra. This week's mantra is, it's all just data. It's all just data because at this point in the quarantine, or, you know, even if this wasn't the quarantine, we might be feeling like anxious. (laughs) Might. We are. We're feeling anxious. We're feeling antsy. We're feeling restless. We're starting to think, oh, my God, there's things I didn't do in quarantine and there's still so much I have to do. Look, it's all just data. Maybe you're getting frustrated with your partner. Maybe you're getting frustrated with your parents. Maybe you're realizing you can't be alone this much. Maybe you're realizing you can't be around people this much. It's all just data. Like when people are trying to lose weight or get healthy or break a bad eating habit and change their eating, one of the huge things that's recommended to them, it's been recommended to me, is journaling. Write down how you're feeling throughout the day and then the behaviors. Like, okay, I was feeling super, super anxious. I got in a fight with my mom and coincidentally, 10 minutes later, I'd polished off a bag of Cheetos. Well, that's not a coincidence. It's cause and effect, right? And then you can start to look at your behaviors as data and you can log those data points. You're like, okay, so when I feel anxious, that triggers me to reach for the bad food or that triggers me to smoke weed or scroll on Instagram or whatever it might be. So try to keep like even a one or two day journal and just be like, I'm gonna log some data points. I'm gonna write down the things that I do, just like I'm observing an animal. I'm gonna write down how I feel and then I'm going to write down the subsequent behaviors and just see if I see any links and see if any sort of like information or thesis bubbles up. Like one of the things I realized in this quarantine and when it first started, so when I first started, I'm, I'm getting ready to move. I'm going to be moving out of New York soon. My lease is up. I just feel like it's time and I'll do a whole video on it. But I was like, oh, I have to move to an apartment like I I am an apartment person and this is very common with New Yorkers like we don't feel comfortable in houses they're like too low to the ground we have to be in a drawer in the sky and through this quarantine it's kind of broken me of that like I'm in my mom's house and I realized how much I like getting up in the morning and immediately walking outside immediately it's I think it's like a California thing like this is just how we are we've always got our windows and our doors open I'm like okay so this is data and I was resistant to that data for for weeks. I was like, no, I had to live in a high rise. And I'm like, OK, girl, you can live in a high rise, but with a balcony or with some green space or with a pool or whatever. You know what I mean? And I, when I stopped resisting the thesis, when I stopped resisting things, I was able to log the data more effectively and just kind of let my mind open a little bit. But that's not only what we're here to talk about. We can talk about this more in other videos. And we're gonna talk about it more in the quarantine glow-up video, which is up imminently. So our first question, <clears throat> subject line, I hate this. Oh girl. And I, I was like, oh fuck, this is gonna this is gonna be good, but like good bad, because I know I know that feeling. So she said, I'm a 17-year-old high school student. I've never had sex or had a boyfriend. Well, past tense. I went on Tinder kind of as a joke, and I matched with this hot guy, and there was zero conversation. Like, zero. He literally just asked if I was DTF. Like, down to fuck. But he didn't even spell it out, and I stupidly agreed. He came over, I lost my virginity to him, and he obviously didn't know that, and he rejected my follow request on Instagram, and he has not reached out after. Look, I didn't expect a relationship, but... I guess I just didn't expect to be a hump and dump situation. I thought I could just have casual sex and get it over with. But now I'm fucking traumatized. I cannot stop thinking about him and I cannot stop thinking about this. Oh, This like hurts my soul. This hurts my soul. I'm so, so sorry. And it's natural to be horrified by his, by his behavior because it is horrific. It is horrific that this is how men behave. DTF. But then it's like... What we permit, we promote. And look, I'm I'm not I'm not victim blaming here, but it's just like a larger sociological phenomenon that it's like, if if guys tried to do that in like 1901, you know, to like the genteel ladies, 100 times out of 100, it would not work. It would work zero times out of 100. So they didn't do it. They would go to a whorehouse where that shit did work. Only only they paid for it. God. It's like if we move so far away from our standards that it's like, man, I wish I wish there was a prostitute in the Old West because at least they got paid for how they were treated. I do this shit for free. It's it's disheartening. But I mean, none of none of this situation is her fault. So, of course, she's horrified by his behavior because, like I said, it is horrific, but okay, And it's horrific because this is your first time and you want it to be special. No matter what any of us think, no matter how cool we think we are, it doesn't matter. I can have casual sex. Who doesn't want to lose their virginity in a special way, right? But let me ask you this. I've brought up this example before. What was the first food you ever ate? What was the first food you had? Probably like breast milk, right? What is your favorite food today? What's the best meal you've had to date? Probably not breast milk. Have you ever heard someone say that? Mmm, I just jonesing for a teat right now. No, no one says that. The point is, first doesn't mean best. It's just where you begin. And of course, of course you want your first time to be special, but I promise you, first of all, very few people's are. I mean, I hope if you're listening you're like, "No, mine was. I man, I want that for you." But by and large, it's it's not the best sex. It's not the most special sex. You know, it's honestly so rare that it's this perfect magical experience with someone you know trusts you and loves you 100 million percent. The sex itself is great. Everything works out perfectly fine after like you know, that's not always how it goes. All of my friends and myself included, we did not have a great virginity loss story. I mean, it was good while it was like happening. I thought it was going to be a good story, but I found out the next day he'd been sleeping with my friend. So it therefore was not a good story. And point number two, this is not going to set the tone for the rest of your life. Like I promise you're not spent or damaged or broken because you don't have a great V-card story. In fact, You don't even have to accept this as fact. Do over, rehearsal, rewind, mulligan. It's your body. It's your history. It's your story. And if you say, "Mm, doesn't count, girl, I'll back you up. You can write your own story. You know, like people lie about stuff all the time. And it's like to lie about it doesn't hurt anyone else. If it makes you feel better and if it sort of like helps heal that trauma, okay. But look, to be honest... I don't think you should lie to yourself about it because I really do think you you have experienced something so illuminating. I talked to girls twice your age, three times your age, who are experienced the same thing. I slept with a guy and he ghosted me and I'm so mad at myself that I didn't read the writing on the wall because he really was not opaque about who he was as a person. I just hoped he would be different. Some version of that is the top question that I get. It really is. That and how to make friends as an adult. Top questions by far. And to learn this truly is our life's work as women. And you just did. You just learned it. And you're only 17. That's incredible. That's incredible, dude. You ripped that band aid off, and now you are so much wiser. You are so much smarter. You will never again have a problem seeing through the bullshit. I mean, if you choose to make that true, you have everything you need, right? You have all the data because it's all just data, you have the conclusion, you have the cause and effect and the outcome and all this stuff. And it's up to you whether or not you internalize that, but in that healthy way, because you're internalizing it already. You're internalizing the bad. Why not internalize some of the good? Why not internalize some of the lessons and incorporate that? When a guy shows you who he is now, you will never Doubt that you will never make excuses for him. You will never project a fantasy onto a reality that does not align. You are wise, you are awake, and waking up isn't always fun. I fucking hate waking up in the morning. If you ever like wake me up when I'm asleep, like I, you have woken up a murderer, you have woken up a lunatic ready to kill. Like, I am the worst of myself if you wake me up. Anyway, walking in the light of the truth isn't fun, also. I mean, light, light hurts our eyes sometimes. Ah, my son, ah, my eyes. But when you learn from something, you grow. And then it's not just this spiraling, painful thing that we can't let go of. It's a chapter in the overall story of our growth. We can't change what happens, but we can change what it meant. Hey guys, it's Cheyenne Davis. You may know me from MTV's Teen Mom OG or Think Cloud Crew podcast. I'm here with my dad, Papa Floyd, to tell you about our new podcast, Unfiltered Kitchen. The kitchen is the hub of the household for many of us, the one-stop shop for conversations both big and small. Cheyenne and I have been having open conversations about all aspects of life in our kitchen since well before she was able to see over the counter. And now we're inviting you into our own kitchen as a part of the family. Unfiltered Kitchen is a two-way street. I share my advice on cocktails, cooking, parenting, and the lessons I've learned. And I inform my dad what it's like to raise kids today, how generational barriers affect us, and the joys of being a daughter. Well, you're a daughter. Get ready for a whole lot of unfiltered advice. You can take it or leave it, but you're never going to leave this table feeling hungry for more. Listen to Unfiltered Kitchen wherever you get your podcasts. This next question also tackles the topic of virginity. And I know what you might be thinking, like, Shalom, it's been a while since I was a virgin. Well, that's probably true. But I bet it hasn't been a while since you were affected by your first love, first sex, or first relationship, right? Even though it's the breast milk, like... If we don't get enough breastfeeding when we're a baby, you know, we're like quality food and we're a baby, that affects us for the rest of our life. I have always thought that I have really bad allergies because I wasn't breastfed long enough. I'm working through it in therapy, whatever. Anyway, these are thorns. These are psychological splinters that can stick. So I do think it's important every once in a while to kind of like throw some light on this. So this message says, this is about my first love who I gave my virginity to. We've been on and off For, like, a thousand times. There's always this girl he sees as his best friend. Best friend. This bitch would call him at midnight, crying for comfort. Once I saw him texting her saying, I will always love you. He once told other people that she will always rank first in his heart. Like, what? Although he explained everything to me and claimed they're innocent, I still feel like a third person in their relationship. It's been five years. My self-esteem is so shattered by this. I've cut him off, but I always feel like there's someone better than me. Oh God. So real talk. I've talked about this before. When a guy is off with you, he's on with someone else. When a guy ghosts, when they ghost us, when they vanish from our life, they reappear in someone else's life. They don't like vanish and reappear into therapy, vanish and reappear in the priesthood. No, no. I don't believe for one second this other chick is just a friend. Not, no. The whole story that he's handing you is fishy. Friends don't talk to fish like that. His buddies, Mike and Dave, they don't text him like that, right? There's a song out now by Kelsey Ballerini and Halsey called The Other Woman. And it's about how neither one of them knows who the other woman is. Are they the girlfriend? Are they the side chick? It's like this may- <laughs> again, the bar is so low. We now don't even know if we're the side chick. It's just like, how did we all... Fucking let this happen, dude. How do we collectively let this kind of behavior flourish? It's like a virus. I, oh, but again, what we permit, we promote. So, what this guy is doing is this who's the other woman kind of thing. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, this other girl thinks she's dating him too. She 100%. She might have submitted a question to me. I probably heard this from the other end. I always wonder that. Like, if I have heard from both people in a situation and I just don't know it fascinating. She in no way thinks they're just friends. Not at all. But you know what? You know what? Let's say, let's say that that is the case. Let's say they are just friends. They both think that, whatever. Let's say there's nothing untoward going on. His behavior still is not appropriate because it hurts you and makes you feel like a second-class citizen. You're not crazy for feeling that way. Like I said, friends don't act that way. Your guy friends don't send you mushy texts. And your female friends don't interfere in your romantic relationships right? A boyfriend isn't jealous of Becca texting, Woody, what's going on with you guys? That's not how it goes. If you're his girlfriend, you have the right to set your boundaries. You say, this is what I need to feel happy, whole, respected, and safe in this relationship. And if you think that's being crazy, then we are not on the same page and I can't be in this situation anymore. It's time to set some boundaries overall. But girl, if you're not his girlfriend, then it's time to get out. He has all the data he needs about you. Data. You're not auditioning to be his girlfriend anymore. He's known you probably half your life at this point. Something like that. Like a long time. He's not like, gee, I don't know. I just need one more more blowjob to figure it out. You don't deserve to be in an on and off relationship. Like you said, this shattered your self-esteem. Do you honestly, in your heart of hearts, or forget your heart, in your brain of brains, do you believe that's what love should do? that it should shatter your self-esteem. Do you think that's how brides feel on their wedding day? I can't wait to walk down the aisle and just leave all my self-esteem behind. Is that the point of a love song? Is that the point of a fairy tale? No. When you see people who are happily married, you're like, there's two people with no self-esteem. No, that's not normal. It might be common, but it isn't normal and it isn't healthy. So don't normalize it. And you are normalizing it when you stay in a situation that fuels it. When we're with someone quality, it's not off and on. It's just on. It is just plain on. And truly, I didn't know that until I got in a quality relationship, kind of until I met my ex-husband. There was no, gosh, is he gonna call? I hope he shows up to this date. Oh, how am I gonna play it? I'm gonna angst over this text. It was so easy. He had stepped so far up that I didn't have to worry about anything. And then I normalized that. And then from after, even though our marriage didn't work out, I now normalize that behavior. I don't deal with this on-off fuck shit anymore. I don't deal with dudes not making plans. And it's not like, well, shall, you and -and so-and-so broke up. Yeah, relationships end. You know, seasons end. That doesn't mean the season was unsuccessful. That means it reached its natural course of progression. Okay, you learn from it. You move on. Something that was a fit perhaps is not a fit anymore. No big deal. More data. It's all just about ref- gathering that data and refining. Okay, I need a little bit more of this, a little less of that. I act a little bit less like this. I act a little bit more like that. So, again, when a guy is quality, it is just plain on. He's focused, devoted. He wouldn't make you feel like you're the third party in your own relationship, he wouldn't risk losing you. Why is this dynamic better than being single? What are you telling yourself to make this okay? Is it nostalgia? Fuck nostalgia. I want to write a book called Fuck Nostalgia. It is the most dangerous emotion. It keeps us in the past, a past that was usually pretty chaotic or unfun. I'm like, as we all are getting older, you know, like I i was going to say I have a birthday coming up. It's in like eight months, but <laughs> you know what? Like birthdays, sometimes you just get this existential flash. You're like, oh my God, soon I'm going to be a year older. But it makes you reminisce about the past and also i think just because i'm like home in my childhood home i think a lot about like my high school years and it's like oh if only i could go back and it's like go back first of all pull out some pictures and look at your bangs back then shallon and your high-waisted pleated pants just no it's like i'm romanticizing something that didn't actually happen i'm competing with a ghost the ghost of this experience the ghost of this person and ghosts aren't real you know so take some time alone to really see if you can get to the root of why you're in this. Why? I have a feeling that this relationship was chaotic and insane back when you lost your virginity to him, And you're going through that confirmation bias. You're doubling down. I can't just let go of him because if I do, then losing my virginity and having that be a painful experience is just painful for no fucking reason. It doesn't add up to anything. But if he becomes my boyfriend, if he really falls in love with me... Then that's just part of our story. The road to your love never ran smooth. Actually, yes, it did. Yes, it did. This still can be part of a happy ending. Your happy ending. Your growth, your leveling up, you meeting someone quality. It's like the Rascal Flat song, God Bless the Broken Road that led me straight to you. You know? All of the heartaches, all of the letdowns, all of what I viewed as a setback, those were all setups because I chose to reframe them as such. I chose to mine those experiences. And it was painful. And I spent a lot of years not doing it. I chose to mine those experiences for what good came out of it. Someone said to me the other day, some comment on my YouTube about, fuck you, Shallon, how dare you try to find a silver lining in this quarantine and tell people that they should be doing a hair mask or creative visualizing. People are dying. How could you possibly try to find something good about that? Oh, God. I mean, just people are such a disappointment. But it's like, I actually, I'm flattered. You think I can control the coronavirus and just stop it when I say so and that I do command life and death? I'm really hashtag flattered that you think that. I actually don't. But I can control how I feel about situations. And I can control what I get out of it. And I can choose to get nothing but misery. I can choose to get anxiety, existential dread, fear, and terror, and a backpedaling of all my growth. But I choose not to do that. And clearly, the person who left that comment, we're not the same. We're not on the same plane. And that's fine. But it's just such a strange and sad way to approach your life. So take some time. Yeah. Analyze why you're in this. No guy. Virginity or not. Fuck nostalgia is worth your peace of mind or your self-esteem that is a price tag that is too high no man should come with a price tag that says your self-esteem your peace of mind your sexual health nope we only have so much time on this earth why spend it miserable and sometimes it really is just that simple oh my god this next one <laughs> title my ex co-worker's wife is stalking me oh this is gonna be good She said, a married guy at work had a crush on me two years ago. I was in a relationship with my now husband, but I still let him on to feed my ego. You know, nothing happened besides us talking like for two weeks max. And he was just like drooling over me. And I enjoyed the attention. Well, his wife found out and he had to leave work. We never spoke again. Six months later, she wrote me a forgiveness letter, which no one asked for, but okay. I ignored it, blocked her and him on email. Later, she followed my friend and my mom, my mom on Instagram. A few days ago, she followed my private Insta account. It bothers me that I don't know her intentions. What do I do if she threatens me or tells my husband? Ugh! Help! So I, I laughed out loud, which which no one asked for, but okay. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, doesn't this just sum it up? Like, honey, I never wanted your crusty-ass man. He was a plaything to me. I think all of us have been there when flirtation goes horribly wrong. Like we flirt ourselves into a corner, and we're like, "Fuck." Or, you know, hey, I talk to girls in the wife's position all the time, and I'm trying to help them see that this other woman didn't really want their man at all. It was more of a game than an ego boost, not only to the other woman, but probably to your man as well. And again, that's a data point. Does he need this ego boost relentlessly? But that's a whole other question. But look, it's a lot easier to hate the mistress than the mister, right? Because she's stuck with him. She has bought into what he's selling. This is that confirmation bias where people double down on their choices to validate their decisions, because if they don't, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I have to upend my entire life. If I have to look at maybe the truth about this person, my entire life as I know it evaporates. You know, she's clearly fixated on you and she's probably comparing herself to you 24 hours a day and wants to unravel the mystery of you. I wouldn't worry about her telling your husband because, like, there's nothing to tell, right? Like, I was talking to someone at work. Okay. If I were your husband and you told him what you told me, that it was very benign work flirtation that he took much more seriously, it shouldn't be a big deal. You know, it's not like you hooked up. There's no pics, love letters, blah, blah, blah. Walk through what your response would be if she did decide to reach out to him because I always think, you know, forewarned is forearmed. Like, I... I almost lie better than I tell the truth. Like when I'm in a panic situation and I'm telling the truth, like I stutter and I blink and because it's like m- my brain has is working overtime to try to, you know, like spit out the truth and, and make someone feel better. But I only have one mouth and it comes out like... Burr, 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 burr. But it's like, if I have to lie, it's like, oh, no, I was late to the party because of that school of ducklings I had to Mm say. And then the state trooper came. It's like I've had time to think about what I'm going to say. And so it comes out a little bit more streamlined. Anyway, just try to like, just try to get ahead of that if you can. Or get ahead of it by telling him. It's like, hey, I'm getting harassed by this woman who thinks I slept with my husband because, you know, that's also the truth. She thinks something happened. It didn't. And she is harassing you. So you've got a few options. You, you can write her a message saying, look, this was never a legit thing. I never wanted your man. This was all about my ego. And you need to leave me and mine alone. I am fucking sick of this. But I'm loath to tell you to engage with her because I don't think that's going to be the end of it. You never know how, de- how deep crazy runs. You know what I mean? And you don't want her to think that this is a conversation. This is a statement, not a dialogue. No is a complete sentence. Or you can just keep blocking her, like I would. Absolutely do not allow this person to follow you. Imagine if your Instagram and your socials are your actual house, right? If she were loitering in your backyard or parked outside your mom's place, you wouldn't allow that. You wouldn't be like, gee, I wonder what her intentions are. You would assume they're bad. You would assume she didn't come bearing a wheelbarrow full of pies and cobblers trying to make amends. No, I am just as fierce over my digital real estate as my IRL real estate. So what we permit, we promote, right? Don't let her just spy on you. Because like I said, her intentions are good, but it doesn't even matter what her intentions are. It matters you protecting your peace, so it's time to take those steps.